Hey ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This week on the show, I'm joined by Jessica Rhodes. Now, Jessica's an expert in podcasting. And the reason I wanted to get Jessica on was to talk about how all of you guys and how we can all use podcasting to grow our business, whether or not we have a podcast. So firstly, I asked Jessica all about the process of starting up a podcast, the things that you need to do to make sure your podcast is a success if you do start. And then we talked about how even if you don't have a podcast, you can still tap into the power of podcasting by getting featured as an expert guest. So she gives some really good tips on how to get featured, what sort of shows to go after, what you need to do to prepare for the shows and how you can make the most of those shows once they go live. So I hope you find this episode really useful. And don't forget, if you want a completely free review of your website and digital marketing with a tailor-made plan to generate more leads and sales from your website over the next 12 months, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Enjoy the show. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. Excited to be here. Awesome. So you've got three podcasts. You own a business all about helping people get guests and get featured on podcasts. So am I right in saying you're a bit of a podcast ninja, aren't you? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I eat, sleep and breathe podcasting. (laughs) So why podcasting? What made you choose this specific area to stick your flag in the ground and make your mark on? Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of fell, I kind of fell into it kind of serendipitously. um, If I said that word right, I started my business as a virtual assistant because I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I had my first child four years ago and my dad, who is an entrepreneur said, you know, you could be a stay at home mom. You could have a home-based business doing virtual assistant work. So he became my first client. And after doing a variety of virtual assistant kind of general administrative tasks, he said, Hey, can you get me on podcasts? I've been interviewed on some and always seems to be a good way to get my message out there and to build my list, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, sure. So I basically took the sales skills that I had built over the years doing door to door work and I applied it to podcast booking Does and I booked my dad on podcasts. Yeah. And then I started working with some other clients and after a few months of connecting entrepreneurs together for interviews, I had people kind of asking me what I did and if I did it for more people. So I decided to create my business interviewconnections.com and really just niche down my VA work into podcasting. And about a year later, that's when I actually started my own podcast and kind of came out from behind the curtain of helping everyone else with their shows. That's amazing. And obviously podcasting is just it's so big right now. It feels like the next kind of big media play, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's huge. And I think, and it's fun for me to see like so many small business owners really grasping podcasting as a part of their marketing strategy. When I started booking podcast interviews, gosh, you know, almost four years ago, a lot of people, they wanted to start a podcast. They wanted to get the biggest audience possible. And what I really love about doing this work now is more and more people are settling into that smaller niche audience, not worrying so much about being famous and having a huge audience, but really leveraging it for business building opportunities, connecting with the right people that will become clients or referral partners. 
Totally. So um, I want to discuss kind of two angles with you today. Firstly, how to start a podcast and who should start a podcast. And then and then later on, we can talk about how people can get featured and how they can be interviewed on podcasts. Because I think both offer, offer some really interesting opportunities for, for kind of visibility. From our own perspective, since starting the podcast, and, and we've been working with, with you guys, and it's been fantastic. But since we started the podcast, we've noticed that not only is it giving us um, access to people that wouldn't have found us otherwise. But for our existing clients and our existing leads, we're, we're noticing that it's a really good way of getting engagement with them. Maybe we might send out some emails or we might do some videos or something which they may or may not read. Whereas the podcasts are getting some really good listens. And we quite often get people saying, you know, I've just binge listened to 20 episodes in, in three days. And it's like, there's no other way that I know that we could get our information into those people as quickly and effectively as through podcasts. So what what sort of businesses might want to start a podcast? Who should be thinking about starting a podcast? I mean, the list is endless, quite frankly. And depending on what kind of business you have, you would structure your podcast to best fit your business. Uh, I mean, let's start with an agency style business. You know, I have an agency style business as do you, Tim. So having an, a business, a service based company where you have a lot of different clients, you're providing a service to them. It's great to start a podcast where you're interviewing either other experts in similar industries, or you're interviewing people that are your clients, you're spotlighting them and demonstrating to all your listeners, here's the kind of people we work with. And it's also gives you an opportunity to deepen your relationship with your clients. And you can also interview other people in your staff. So if you have a lot of employees, it's great to get your staff on the microphone, featuring them on the podcast, because it kind of shows your kind of workplace culture in a way. It makes people want to be a part of it. So that's one great reason to start a podcast. You could also have a solo podcast where it's just you talking. This can be great for people that are coaches or consultants, because if it's just you on the microphone at the listener can kind of get a sense of what it would be like to work with you because it's just you and them on the podcast. You know, they're listening to you and you're talking to them. I actually just did a VIP like strategy day with this big time coach. And I decided to invest in that VIP day after listening to her podcast for like two years. I didn't know her personally. I'd never met her before, but I had listened to her podcast and over two years of listening to her podcast, I felt like I knew her so well. I understood her values and I could hear her credibility through the podcast that that's what made me actually, you know, invest in that coaching. I think there's like a, there's a really deep connection that, that people can build with you remotely, like through a podcast, isn't it? We, we did a show recently and there's people coming up and saying, oh, you know, I've listened to loads of episodes. And I don't think you'd get that from, oh, I've read loads of your blog posts. I think there's something that's a lot more personal and a kind of closer bond that you get through podcasting than social media or maybe even video. I'm not sure because you're kind of with people like right in their ears. I don't know. It just seems yeah. it seems super close. I think so. I think with podcasting, the connection with the consumer of the content is so much more intimate because it is just your voice. Like imagine if you're face to face with someone talking with them, as soon as you close your eyes and you're only listening to their voice, you hear them so much more <laughs> because you're yeah. not being distracted by like, oh, they've got, you know, a stray hair coming down their face. Like you're not being distracted <laughs> by like little things. You're really paying attention. You know, think about, 
you know, when I'm at the hairdresser or something and I'm trying to hear the person talking to me, they got like the hair, they got like the uh, hair dryer going and you're like, I can't hear what they're saying. I'll like close my eyes and I could hear them better. You know, yeah. there's something about locking off one of the senses that makes you hear better. So it is really interesting, you know, why and how podcasting does help people connect with you better. I think video is great. I'm a big fan of videos. I've done weekly videos for years now. And it's great because people can see you, they can see your body language, they can kind of see your office or your home or where you live, and they can hear you. But most videos are pretty short. You know, most videos are going to be one to three minutes. If you're a very good vlogger, you might get away with like 15 to 20 minute episodes, but you've got to be great with videography to actually get away with an episode that long and to have people actually watch the whole thing. So podcasting is something where people can actually consume a 30 minute episode and and get to know you quite well. Yeah. And I guess the fact that they can do other stuff as well in, increases the likelihood that they actually will sit and listen to 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. Exactly. Um, how, how much work is it to actually start and run a podcast? Because before we started, I was like, man, that just looks, I don't even know how to get that stuff in iTunes. This just looks like one hell of a, uh, an operation to get this thing going. What, is, what does it really look like? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fair amount of work. I won't lie, but you get out of it what you put into it. So it's either a lot of time or it's a big investment. It kind of depends. So I decided right away that I would hire an editor, somebody that could submit my show to iTunes. They take care of the RSS feed. They edit it. They do all the post-production. So I think it's well worth an entrepreneur's time to invest in somebody that can help you with all the tech side. That way it actually sounds good. Like trying to DIY your podcast is just going to sound like you DIY your podcast and people aren't going to take you seriously. So it's definitely worth it to just get a solid producer, spend a few hundred dollars a month and actually have a show that sounds good. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs starting podcasts and while they have great content. They have no idea how to actually run a good radio show. I mean, that's really what we're doing here. We're podcasting, but this is kind of the new radio. And when we don't take our show seriously, we don't think about some basic broadcasting principles. It really frustrates everyone involved. So I would definitely invest in a producer and invest in a team that can help you kind of automate the whole system so you can get on and rock the podcast as a host and or a guest and let all the tech stuff, you know, be taken care of by the people that are actually experts in that. So I wrote a blog post about how you can get a a weekly 30 minute podcast done in less than three hours a month. And when I say that, I mean, that's outsourcing basically everything except actually recording the podcast. Yeah. I mean, even the, the tech side of stuff doesn't really, once you've got it set up, it doesn't take that much time, does it? For, for us, all we do is uh, we've got an editor. We just get the thing recorded in Zencaster that goes into a Dropbox for the editor. They edit it. They send over the file and then all you need to do is just upload that to Libsyn or whatever. That puts it into iTunes because you've already got that stuff hooked up. Then you just write the accompanying blog post and it's live. It's like, yeah, I guess there's a bit of setup on the front end. And then once you've got that, it's actually not too much work to keep maintained. Yeah. And I mean... There's definitely work on the marketing side of things. Like I, I, you know, we've all had those episodes that we feel so good about. We're like, this is the best episode I've ever produced. I can't wait. Everyone has to listen to this. And then you actually have to do a lot of work to market it and actually get people to find it. So then there's work on that end of like getting some graphics created, getting the social media rotation set up, making sure, you know, if you have guests, letting them know when their episode is live. So they actually, you know, share it or are aware that it's live. So there's a lot of pieces, but 
But as long as you organize the schedule and delegate all the tasks to the right people, it can be a well-oiled machine in time. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Okay, so I think one of the objections that might be stopping people from starting a podcast is the fact that they are kind of committing to putting out some content at least weekly or if not multiple times per week. And they might be staring into the abyss thinking, okay, so I could probably make like five or six episodes about my topic and then I'd start to get stuck. And certainly (laughs) one or two years down the line, I would be really scraping the barrel. (laughs) How do you suggest that people approach this angle of finding what to talk about and making sure that they can have enough content to justify an ongoing podcast? Yeah, I mean, number one, I would get really clear on who your target audience is and why you are podcasting. And when you know who your target audience is and what your purpose is for the podcast, you can start to list out maybe the frequently asked questions that those ideal listeners would have and what topics or questions would position you to talk about the topics that are going to attract more of those ideal listeners. Solo episodes are great. I know a lot of people want to do solo because they want to be the only one spotlighted. I did a year and a half of interviews and then I did like four or five months of solo episodes and I kind of ran out of things to say. And so then I went back to having guests on the show. Guests <laughs> are great because then you don't have to write out like a whole 30 minute episode by yourself. And what I realized the happy medium that I struck was that I came up with a topic, but instead of, you know, having to write the entire episode and record it myself, I came up with a topic and then I found a guest that would help teach that topic. So for example, A lot of my listeners want to know, how do I get on the biggest podcast? You know, how do I get the biggest celebrity guests, the biggest appearances on podcasts? So, I mean, I could talk about that topic. I'm sure I have enough to say about it. But instead, I brought on a guest, Josh Elledge, who has a PR firm and has been on a lot of big shows. And I brought him on and I interviewed him about how he's gotten on some of the biggest podcasts in his industry. And I had plenty to say on it. So it ended up being a very conversational episode. So we were both, you know, we both had kind of our expertise featured. But by bringing on a guest, he I didn't have to do all the heavy lifting in terms of teaching. So I recommend that podcasters have their podcast be topic driven. Like you decide what the topics are going to be rather than having all of your guests just decide. So figure out like what topics do I want to teach my audience and then find the guests that would best suit that topic. Yeah, that's awesome. And we also find that people ask a lot of questions of the business anyway, right? They're asked, it's like, as you say, the frequently asked questions and these will continue coming in. As you create more episodes, you get more listeners and they keep asking questions and you'll notice the same questions keep coming up and those might make good episodes. So I guess your audience kind of helps you out a bit with identifying what sort of topics you might want to talk about too. Exactly. And I took, that's a really great point, Tim is like actually engaging with your audience. And I know this topic of engaging with your audience is frustrating to new podcasters because they think, well, I'm trying to, but they're not replying to me. They're not reaching out. (laughs) Podcast listeners are very quiet. I mean, if you are somebody that listens to podcasts on a regular basis, which you're, you're listening to at least one, because you're listening to this podcast, Ask yourself, okay, how many podcasts do I listen to and how many of those hosts have I reached out to recently? How many of those (laughs) hosts have I emailed, tweeted, Facebook messaged? Chances are none of them or maybe one. So as podcasters are sitting here going, my listeners aren't engaging, but you're not engaging as a listener. So you just have to kind of be okay that podcast listeners are very quiet. I mean, I have people that, you know, have listened to every single episode of my show. And then I meet them one day. They're like, oh, I've listened to every single episode. And I think, where have you been all my life? Like, why haven't you reached out to me? Why haven't you emailed me? But they're just quietly consuming the content. And when they are ready to take a certain action, they will, but you can't rush it. (laughs) 
Exactly. There's like this, uh, this kind of hidden momentum that you're building and you don't really notice you're doing it. Cause I guess people are at the gym or they're in their cars or whatever. So they're not mm-hmm. going to be talking to you, but doesn't mean they're not listening. Yeah. You just have so, to trust the process. You know, you just have to keep delivering that content and then make those calls to action that are going to inspire them to reach out to you. One really great call to action. Harry Duran does this on his show called podcast junkies. And he, at the very end of an episode, his shows are like an hour and a half long. And the very end of the episode, he'll give a unique hashtag to that episode. And if you tweet out that hashtag, he'll send you a t-shirt. So for like the small percentage of listeners that make it all the way to the end of the hour and a half long episode, he'll get a few tweets. And then, then that person will get a t-shirt. People will do anything for a free t-shirt or anything free. So yeah, they sure (laughs) will. Bribe people to engage with you. Okay. So let's say that the service company whose expertise led us decided to start a podcast or an e-commerce business who wants to, you know, feature reviews about their particular niche or whatever has decided to start a podcast and they're going to do some solo episodes. They're going to do some staff and internal um, interviews and they're going to book some guests. What type of guests should they be looking to get on the show? You're, I mean, these guests are going to be great business connections for you. So you want to think about what are the most ideal people that I would want to build a relationship with in my business. So what is your most immediate goal in your business? You know, is it to build a relationship with influencers? Is it to build relationships with potential clients? Is it to eventually be a speaker at conferences? Maybe you want to be interviewing people that speak regularly at the conferences that you're speaking at. So maybe they could introduce you to people or maybe interview the coordinators of said conferences or interview people in similar businesses who could then refer clients to you. Like I have a podcast guest booking agency. So when I interview somebody that has an editing, like a podcast production company or somebody that has a course around how to be a good host or a good interviewer, those are ideal guests because we have the same audience, but we're doing something completely different. So my listeners are really going to love their content and their following. If they have a community that then listens to them on my show, those are going to be ideal listeners for my podcast. So you want to think about those ideal referral partners, people in similar industries. You don't want to worry too much about like big names and celebrities. I know it's sometimes it's nice every now and then to have a big name on the show kind of gives you a little bit of a spike in the downloads. People go, Oh, wow. You know, how do you get that person? Or how'd she interview that person? And, and you get some new listeners, maybe some of those listeners stick around, but you know, successful podcasters are successful because they, they keep going. I mean, I remember this one person was launching a show and she was kind of in pre-launch phase and she was reaching out. She wanted guests. And so I was pitching a couple of my clients to her and she's like, well, I'm only interviewing really big names. So if they don't have, you know, 10,000 likes on their Facebook page, then I'm not going to consider them. And she faded after like 10 episodes (laughs) (laughs) because it's not sustainable to only interview people with that many likes. It doesn't make any sense. You want to interview people that are going to bring value to your listeners. And while sometimes it's nice to interview the big names, most times listeners don't care if they're a big celebrity. Listeners want to hear somebody they've never heard before because they're coming to your show to discover new information, to discover new people that they might want to follow. Exactly. We found that some of our best episodes have been with people who've never been on a podcast before. Mm-hmm. They're just really interesting people. <laughs> and they've got a cool story that they wouldn't think to share. They're not particularly self-promotional. We just hunt them out and 
contact them and, and they've been really good guests because they're so busy spending time doing what they're doing that they've got like a ton of expertise and that makes them really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. People that haven't been on a podcast before are some of the best guests. They're so fresh. As long as they have a microphone though. I've interviewed some like yes. new guests and they're like on Skype on their cell phone and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like, I've only got my laptop. Is that going to be okay? You're like, no, dude, that's not going to be okay. Um, and, and on that topic, let's talk quantity versus quality. So when people are interviewing guests, I'm guessing that there are going to be some episodes where when they listen back, they're like, um, that's not, I don't think that's the greatest episode in the world. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest to people? Is it really important that we keep a really tight filter on our podcast episode so that we only put out the good stuff or should we just put out everything and hope that people like it? Oh, there is no black or white answer to this, but I tend to, unless an episode was so bad, like so (laughs) bad that you can't imagine publishing it. I tend to err on the side of publishing because here's the thing. We are our own worst critic. You know, we are going to have much higher standards for our own show than our listeners. So I tend to err on the side of publishing. Also just consider the fact that maybe an interview that you do with the guest, like you didn't think it was great, but that guest took the time. Like maybe they did a pre-call with you. They did the show with you to then not publish their episode is basically like kind of a big F you like, yeah, thanks for the time, but this wasn't good enough. It's just kind of rude. So again, like unless it was so bad where there was like, there's significant reason why you should not put that out to the to your audience, I tend to say put it out because there's going to be people that find value in it, even if you don't think it's the best work. Every podcast has a dud, every single one. There's a show called Solopreneur Hour hosted by Michael O'Neill. Have you heard of it, Tim? I have not. It's a pretty big business podcast. It's been going for a few years. And I have heard a couple episodes of a show where as the listener, I'm like, wow, this was not the best episode. You can hear him struggling through the interview. Like there's one, (laughs) there's one guest, like every single answer she was like plugging her business. She's like, well, this is what we do at my business. And you could hear his frustration as the listener, even though it was definitely one of his worst episodes. I honestly appreciated the fact that he published it because it kind of brought me closer to him as the host. Cause I was kind of like, wow, dude, like good job getting through that. That was really tough. Like he could kind of commiserate with his listeners about it after the fact. There was another episode where he actually interviewed Michael Gerber and he would talk about how that was one of his toughest interviews because Michael was giving him a really hard time about solopreneur. He's like, yeah, it's bull crap. Solopreneurs are just, you know, they're just people with a job. They're just their own boss. And it was, that was like the whole fact that his whole show is about solopreneurship. So, you know, it was not his best episode, but if he had just trashed that, like, I don't know. I, I think you got to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. If, if the audience can hear that the host is kind of struggling to keep it alive, it's like nothing unites like a common enemy, right? The audience know the deal, the host knows the deal. So it's like a bit of an inside joke, isn't it really? Exactly. Yeah. It kind of becomes an inside joke with you and your listeners like, wow, you know, that was not the best. And it kind of, I wrote a blog post, um, I think it's called like, show them your cracks. And it's kind of nice to like, show your listeners when you don't have a great episode, show your listeners when you don't have a great day, they will love you so much more for it. I, I remember I put out an episode, I think it's called for moms and stay like, it's something about, I forget the exact title, but it's for moms. And I remember I had to get an episode done. I was like the last day before I had to turn it into my publisher. 
my producer and my son was homesick from school. So I'm like, great. I have to do a podcast episode with a three-year-old. I just did it with him. I was like, Hey guys, we're going to talk about staying on schedule. (laughs) Even when you have a kid homesick from school. And I kind of brought him onto the podcast so you can get creative with it. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I want to quickly ask you about marketing the podcast and then we'll go into how people can get featured. So Obviously, the you know the iTunes podcast bestseller rankings or um, you know most popular lists are a massive, massive source of of new listeners. How do how do people get their new podcasts onto those bestseller lists? What what are some strategies they can use? Well, I'm actually not even going to answer your question because <gasps> people listen to this, Tim. People don't find new podcasts by browsing the like the top like rankings in iTunes. Stop. <gasps> I've actually been doing a lot of research around this topic because I, I co-host a show called the podcast producers and our season is all our current season is all about listeners and how people find shows and what they like about shows. I've been literally interviewing people on the streets, like of New York city and Chicago. I've just been asking people all over, do you listen to podcasts? How do you find them? And every single person I have talked to so far has said, yeah, I find shows that my friends recommend. I mean, think about it. Have you ever gone into iTunes and looked at the top of new and noteworthy and thought, hmm, maybe I'll find a good show on new and noteworthy. Like they're new shows. Nobody's searching for podcasts based on what's in the top of new and noteworthy. So I say, don't worry about the rankings in iTunes. There is no proven algorithm that will get you to the top. It is different all the time. They're constantly changing it. And so you're going to spin your wheels, spend all this time and energy on something you really can't control. So my recommendation is to focus on your content, focus on producing the best show that you can and inspire your listeners to share it with a friend. So in my podcast, I've changed the call to action. So I don't tell people to subscribe. I trust people will subscribe if they like the show. You don't have to tell them. And I don't tell them to rate and review because people don't find shows based on ratings and reviews. It's different with things like books on Amazon where people are reading and review, reading reviews. Most listeners are not going onto iTunes and reading reviews before they choose a show. So focus on producing episodes that are so amazing that your listeners share them with a friend. And I would make that your big call to action. Tell your listeners, share this with one friend, you know, who would like this episode. And that's how you will grow an audience. Amazing. Okay, let's move over to the other side of the mic. For those who don't want to start a podcast, but they think that there's something in this podcasting thing, and they want to be involved, getting featured or getting interviewed on podcast episodes can be a really good way of kind of piggybacking on someone's visibility and, and getting some uh, getting some new, I guess, audience people. Why would anybody want to get featured? It sounds a bit scary. Are they going to interview me? Is it going to be horrible? What if I've never done it before? <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting featured as a guest expert on podcasts is like so, so impactful for your marketing because you're positioning yourself as an expert and you're also building relationships with other people in your niche, other people who have a podcast. So when you get featured as a guest expert, you are getting in front of a whole new audience of people who most likely don't know who you are, but are going to know who you are and are going to know you quite well after they hear an interview with you. So it is very powerful to be a guest expert on podcasts. You can build relationships, you can get exposure, you build your email list. If you, you know, give a call to action at the end of your interviews, people will visit your website and opt into your email list. You can nurture and grow those relationships. I've had clients who, you know, sign up and they say, yeah, I listen to you on other shows and I've listened to your podcast and I'm so excited to work with you. So I definitely recommend being a guest on podcasts. 
Okay, so how does the process work? Right, I want to be on Tim Ferriss show. I email Tim at timferris.com and say, hey, Tim, I want to be a guest on your show. Do you have a better alternative to that? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> remember I told you that I had an episode about getting on the biggest show. So being on, it depends what kind of podcast you want to be on because when you want to be on like the largest podcast like Tim Ferriss show and you know some of these other huge shows, the strategy is more than just a cold email. You know, I have a business where we book interviews and most of our interviews are booked through those cold pitch emails. That doesn't really work so well with the Tim Ferriss's of the world. It really takes a, a relationship, you know, a personal connection to that big podcaster because the hosts of the larger shows are much more protective of their brand and they're much more selective of the guests that they have on. So while you can get on some of those big shows just by pitching, if you have the right topic at the right time, you can definitely get on those big podcasts. I had a client who, you know, she was on Smart Passive Income. I'm like, oh, wow, how'd you get on that show? She goes, I just pitched myself. So it can work, but more often than not, if you want to be on those bigger shows, You've got to get out of your house, get out of your office, go to these conferences, go to where those hosts are and really get into some circles where you can build a relationship with them, invest in their coaching program, go to their conferences, like where you're actually investing in a ticket that makes them money, scratch their back before you want them to scratch yours. Now, for most entrepreneurs, you don't need to be on those big shows. So don't really worry about that. Focus on podcasts that are speaking to your target audience that are hosted by entrepreneurs who are your peers, you know, don't worry about only being on the bigger shows, worry about getting, building relationships with other entrepreneurs who would be able to refer business to you. And that are going to be just excited to have you on their show as you are to be on theirs. I think there's also a lot to be said for practicing like in the dark. So get on some smaller shows and get good at being a guest and get good at being interviewed so that when you get bigger opportunities in future, you're not stumbling around and you know your shit, basically. Yeah, a hundred percent. I completely agree with that. I don't care how successful you are in your business, how much money you've made, how long you have been doing what you are doing. Podcasting is, it's broadcasting. You're speaking into a microphone. You are using verbal communication skills and your verbal communication skills might not be that great right now. <laughs> so it's great <laughs> to go on some smaller shows to get your feet wet, to get comfortable speaking into the mic, listen back to your interviews and critique yourself. You don't want your first interview to be on Oprah because you'll blow <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. So if Oprah calls, then you just want to turn her down. Say no, Oprah, I've got to do some smaller stuff. You know, like the Oprah effect when people get their you know, when product-based businesses get their their products featured, like as Oprah's one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, you've heard of people going on Shark Tank and going out of business because they can't keep up with the inventory. Um, <laughs> yeah. They can't keep up with the sales. So there is something to be said for, you know, it, it's, it's great to want to grow fast, but you kind of need to grow as much as you can handle, you know, the uptick. Like, yeah, yeah so you got to go on shows where the growth is going to be good for you and not going to put you out of business because you can't keep up with all the new sales. <laughs> For sure. I think being being an interviewee uh, is a very different skill to just talking about your business. And I, I think it's definitely something that they needs practice and work. So when someone's ready to start getting themselves out there and, and being interviewed as a guest expert on podcasts, what sort of materials do they need? Do they need some kind of press kit? Maybe you could talk us mm -hmm. through that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
The first thing in terms of getting yourself on shows, having a one sheet is really important. It's sort of like a press kit or a speaker sheet. It gives podcasters all the information that they need to decide if you're going to be a good fit for their show. So something like a a bio, something that they could read to introduce you to the show, your interview topic. So really specifically state what you're an expert in. What are those topics that you can talk about in an interview? And then some suggested interview questions. These are actually questions you write out something that they could ask you. So I think like one of my suggested questions are, you know, should you be, should you focus on large podcasts or small podcasts? And I wrote that suggested interview question because if the host doesn't have any questions to ask me, I know that that question will open up a conversation that we could definitely dive into for like 10 minutes. So write some suggested interview questions and also have your contact information, your Skype name, your email address, phone number, um, different websites and social media links, like everything that they would need to be prepared for an interview with you, you, you want to have on that one sheet. And those suggested questions are really, really important, aren't they? Because when I'm doing stuff for other people and being interviewed on other podcasts, some people will do research. And like for this podcast, we always have a, uh, we always have a chat before and then we'll do an episode plan and then we'll have a separate recording session or usually we didn't for this one. But um, because your suggested questions were so good, we didn't need to. Instead. Yes. But, <laughs> um, but a lot of the time when, when you're being featured on another person's podcast, it's very apparent that they've done absolutely no preparation whatsoever other than look through your one sheet and your suggested questions. So had you not done that, they would be just asking not particularly useful questions and the episode really wouldn't be a success. So I think you've got to take it upon yourself to kind of map them out an episode so that they could just be a robot that just recites questions and you'd still have a great episode, right? Yeah. And I don't like no guest wants to be asked questions that they are not prepared to answer. I mean, I was interviewed once and the host asked me about Twitter bombing. And this was like a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I don't really know what that is. And we all know what it is now. I think it's like where you just send out like hundreds of hundreds of tweets for your show and get like a lot of fake downloads because robots click on the links. But two years ago, the the term was just kind of coined and like, what's Twitter bombing? And I'm like, I know that has something to do with podcast marketing, but that's not my area (laughs) of expertise. And so it really wasn't positioning me as an expert because it was a question that had nothing to do with my area of expertise. So by preparing interview and I have prepared interview questions, don't get me wrong. So some people will just go broke anyway. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. So guess quite, I mean, is it important that people identify a few topics, a few areas of expertise that they know will resonate with their audience rather than thinking, oh, I can just talk about my business or I can just talk about, I, I guess they need a kind of, they need a bite-sized thing that can be clearly defined, right? Yeah. It kind of depends on the style of your show or the style of the show that you're going on. You know, I've been on shows as a guest where I talk about my story and I talk about how I started my business and different phases of, of growing my business. But if you're on a show where it's topic driven, where you want to give a lot of tips and actionable content, then you don't really want to focus on your story. I actually do not recommend putting on your one sheet suggested interview questions. Why did you start your business? And why should people (laughs) buy your course? Like that's just setting you up to sell and nobody wants that. So people know that they can ask you about your story. So put questions on there that will position you as an expert in a specific topic. Perfect. So we got our one sheet together. We got some suggested questions. Somebody is booking us. We we have a time schedule to be on the show. What sort of preparation should we do beforehand before we even get to the interview? 
Well, you got to know how you're recording the interview. So know if it's going to be on Skype, is it going to be on Zoom, is it going to be on Zencaster? Make sure that you're connected with that guest um, or that host. And that way you're not scrambling to get connected with them. I did not follow my own advice. Last week I was on a show and I was like, you know, maybe let's say it's at 12 o'clock and at like 1157, I'm scrambling. My microphone's not plugged in. And then I needed to make sure the sound settings was like picking up the microphone and not the internal mic. Like I was kind of a mess and I was, then I was late. So that was not a great example. So today I'm like, let me go ahead and make sure that my microphone's all set up. You know, the, the microphone stands like clips to my desk. I'm on like Skype is logged in. You've got to give yourself like 10 minutes because Skype, if you're on there, sometimes it just loads and loads. And it's like, sorry, Skype is unavailable at this time. And you're yeah. like, crap. So I always have my laptop here. So I have an iMac and a laptop. So if my iMac, you know, Skype is frozen, I'll then open up my laptop and then do it there. And I can still plug my mic in. So it, it works out. But you definitely want to give yourself plenty of time to, you know, open up Skype, get connected with the host and be able to send that message ready when you are <laughs> like, we're <Yes>. smooth sailing. <laughs> I think it also helps to listen to their previous episodes yeah. doesn't it? and just get a feel for what sort of flow the podcast has. And if you can reference previous episodes when like you're being interviewed, I think that kind of is, is quite a good way to build, Absolutely. I guess, a little bit of familiarity with the audience as well, because they're like, oh, yeah, they're one of us kind of thing. Yeah, it's a nice little icebreaker, too. If you've never met the host before to just be able to say like, hey, I really liked your interview with this person because you don't want the interview to sound stiff. So if you can reference back to an episode that they've done, that is really great. It gets you set off on the right foot. And it's also good before the interview is recording. You can say, remind me again, you know, Who's your target audience? What do you want to get out of this episode? How can I make this a great show for you and your audience? Yes, perfect. Okay, so we've recorded the episode. It went really well because we did all our preparation. We had our one sheet and we had our suggested questions. The episode has now gone live. What are some ways that we can make the most of that? How can we repurpose that and make sure that we're getting maximum benefit out of that live episode? As a host, I would hope that you'd have some show notes with links to your guest website. That is also like, that's great. If a guest is, you know, versed on SEO and, and marketing, they know that having a link to their website is perfect. So I've had some guests that are like, they didn't link to my website and they get kind of irritated. I'm like, just ask them. I'm sure they didn't mean to not link to your website. Yeah. As the guest, I would definitely, you know, promote that. And instead of a quick, like, Hey, I was featured on this show, like giving people no reason to listen to it, you know, pull out like a quote or some kind of question or piece of information that would make people want to listen to it. So maybe it's something embarrassing. Like John Lee Dumas always has the best clickbait. He's like, I just recorded my worst interview ever. And I'm like, I don't want to click on this because I know it's not going to be that bad. And he's just saying that to get me to click on it. But gosh darn it, I click on it. I listen to that episode because <laughs> I have to know why was this the worst interview ever? So you can get kind of, you know, tricky with like your headlines on social media to get people to click and listen, but you want to have it on your press page. So on your website, you should have a press page that has your bio, you know, links to your photos. So when hosts say, Hey, can I get a photo of Jessica? Yep. I just send it to my press page. I got a link to a Dropbox. You can choose any photo you want. So link to all your previous episodes, or at least like your best ones on your press page. So people that are considering interviewing you can click through and listen to your episode. And there you go. There's another backlink to the host site. So you guys are helping each other out. That's true. And if anybody wants an example of a good press page, then you've got to go to jessicarodes.biz 
forward slash press because I couldn't really think of much more you'd want to have. That yeah. is basically the perfect press page. From a podcast interviewer's perspective, that is awesome. Yeah, I want to give people <laughs> everything they need and have it so you can copy and paste the text. Like you don't want it to all be image-based because you want to make it easy for the host to maybe copy and paste your bio, copy and paste your questions into their Google Doc or Showflow page. Exactly. It's just like digital PR or PR or SEO. You just want to do as much of their job for them as you possibly can. Just be the very, very most useful, most person you possibly can and you'll be all good. Yeah. So Jessica, how do people find out more about you and Interview Connections? Yeah. Interviewconnections.com is the best place. If you want to check out my podcast, interviewconnections.com slash podcast will get you there. Thank you so much, Jessica. This has been fantastic. And remember everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes and subscribe. Yes, I asked for the subscription. Thank you so and much for joining us, friend. Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Thank for, you for joining me. us. And talk to everyone soon. <laughs>